everybody, this is your favorite Bronze Age Spider-Man podcast produced during the worldwide quarantine. This is Here Comes the Spider-Cast. I am your co-host, Mike L, and as usual, I'm joined by... Joshua Mervell, and today we're going to be talking about Spider-Man comics from December of 1982. That's right, and once again this week, we have a special guest. Special guest, can you please say hello to everybody? Introduce yourself. Hi, everybody. It's G.I. Jolie. We so Yay. you decided to come back, eh? You had so much fun last time, you decided well, to come back. I just needed to know what happens with Tarantula and Willow the Wisp. <laughs> well, then you're on the right, you came to the right place then, right? Right. I mean, <laughs> all I right. mean, all bets are off about this podcast after the quarantine is over. That's true. Yeah. Damn it. All right. We'll do our best. So yeah, we're going to start off with Amazing Spider-Man 235. This issue features... A mutated tarantula. So tarantula looks literally like a tarantula now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then it also features Will-O-The-Wisp. And I, of course, as usual, love this issue. Written by Roger Stern, drawn by John Romita Jr. It's a continuation of the ongoing story with these two characters. I got a feeling uh, that Josh and I both liked it. But I'm going to start with you, Jolie. And you can let us know what you thought of this story. Um, let me refer to my notes. Okay, the art is still good. Mm. Um, but it's just, uh, I, I didn't have a yes or a no for this one. I just had a, it's still a big fight comic, but at least they, we got a, a bit of an origin story. So, um, it looks like I liked it. <laughs> I definitely okay. liked it more than the last issue. <laughs> really? Okay. Uh, Josh, what did you think of this issue? Yeah, I, I also liked it a little bit more in this one. Having a little bit of context for uh, Will the Wisp and kind of what his whole deal is um, would definitely kind of uh, made this issue a little bit better and also gave a little bit of context for last issue. And, I mean, even all the other issues we've been reading where Will the Wisp just kind of shows up and does whatever. Um, right. <clears throat> we, we kind of get an explanation of, like, what his powers are where his powers mm. came from but not necessarily what they are right still but it's it's fine but uh He's... we get we uh, i also like that we we leave on the exact same cliffhanger from last issue that bothered me yeah. it felt like it made the issue feel like it was filler because we could have yeah. picked up right here and you'd really never know the difference right because I, I not much like nothing happens in this issue Besides the fact that we get Will-O-The-Wisp backstory, like, but I don't think anything new happens, right? Like, not mm. anything significant. I mean, no. I think there's a lot of good subplotting going on, personally. Sure. Um, but the, for the main characters, yeah, I agree. There's a lot of fighting, a lot of back and forth. Um, but I definitely like the stuff with Peter and, like... Here's the thing is, I'm used to all the stuff with Peter and his rent and mm-hmm. his landlord. Uh, Jolie, what did you think about that stuff, about fleshing out his like supporting cast and all that? Um, well, that's the thing is that there was a little... Uh, I, I like it. I like to yeah. see his little world. That's fine. Um, and then like to see... like Honestly, his little dark room in, um, in a windowless bathroom, it's like... It was like my dark room in a windowless bathroom like <laughs> right. it brought back memories of uh i mean i wasn't developing photos i was shooting screens for printing but like mm-hmm. you know it just it 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 makes the character more relatable as a person absolutely yeah yeah like uh i like i like seeing that kind of stuff like he after one weirdly just kind of leaving the building 
um, where all of the action just took place. He just yeah, that was weird. Casually <laughs> yeah. sneaks into a men's room and like exits with the rest of them. Uh-huh. Um, everyone who else who's evacuating, he just like returns to his normal life. Mm-hmm. Like what he was just doing is like super heightened, and then mm-hmm. to just go back and fight with this like this old woman just brandishing a plunger. Like mm-hmm. it's it's such a strange. <laughs> dichotomy for him but like it's it's fun to see i guess yep josh what do you think of that stuff yeah it, it uh it felt good and it felt right for for peter parker's story um i don't think it was particularly like outstanding it, it just mm. f- for me was kind of the norm for all the issues we've been reading sure. um but it it felt yeah it felt at home reading it it didn't um but it also didn't stick out as anything great but. Well, you know, the way I see it, for some people, some people, especially well, only older readers, they complain about Peter sort of always being in the same situation of always needing money, always mm. having to sell his photos, always screwing up, always being down on his luck. The way I see it is, it's like Charlie Brown kicking the football. Yeah. You know, Lu- Lucy's always going to pull it out. And the day that Charlie Brown kicks that football, it's like the strip is over. Like, that is the joke, right? right. No matter how many times you read it, it's always funny. You know, and to me, that's what this is like. It's like it's the same old thing, but I love it personally. Well, so. that's what life is like, right? Like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, once one thing is fixed, there's usually another problem that comes up, right? So, having yeah. Peter Parker always have these problems and always down on his luck feels mm-hmm. right all the time. Right. At, at least for me. Like, it just, I, I can't see it happening any other way. Right. Now, okay, so one another thing I really liked about this issue was the recap we get um, building up, uh, sort of explaining uh, Roxon Oil mm-hmm. and the brand corporation, okay? And one of the reasons I liked it is because a lot of these stories, I've not only have I read, but we've read on Quasar Chronology, right? Right. So like yeah. on digital page, or original page 12, 12. we get... Yeah, we get flashbacks to Thor and Orca, which I haven't read. We get Hawkeye and Manticore, and then we get um, the Project Pegasus story, which, which, yep, which mm-hmm. we covered. Yep, Deathlock. We covered the Grapplers, and then we covered the Nth Man. Like, personally, I love... And then the Serpent Squad. We've just mm-hmm. come across the Serpent Squad. Like, And then even this, this uh, Iron Man story with Centurion, I just read that because I went back and read all the early 80s Iron Man. So I oh, personally cool. love this stuff. Uh, Julie, is this stuff confusing to you? Is it boring or does it make you want to go out and read those stories? Um, it is all of the above. It is confusing. It is boring. It makes me not want to read any of the stories that accompany it. <laughs> okay. It actually resulted in me skipping this entire section. Yikes. Okay. Wow. I mean, I I looked, you know, I that's f- glossed over it because oh, I liked the way that they narrated it. I guess mm. with his little like um, non corporeal head. <laughs> yeah, but that was like the only thing that I kind of liked about it. It mm. just I was just like, oh, okay, well, this is all stuff that I'm gonna have to catch up on. And this is what I really, honestly, don't like about comics is some they're like a lot of comics that I've uh, a lot of Bronze Age stuff. Like, there's a lot of C issue or don't you remember this happened in? It's like, no, I don't remember. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So feed it to me. <laughs> I well, I, I, I personally, I I'd rather see those notes at the end. It's as illustrated end notes. well, though. But Josh, what's your take on it? Does it make you want to go out and read them? So I have read 
uh, quite a few of these that that they're talking about and referencing in this flashback. So for me, mm-hmm. I I enjoyed it this time, but I don't think I would have if I hadn't. Well, yeah, I I definitely don't think that the way that the information was given was necessarily stellar, but mm-hmm. I do think it's cool if you were a reader of Thor and Avengers and Iron Man and Spider Man and Marvel two and one, and then you came to this issue. Once you realize that everything's connected together, that's a pretty cool thing to see. I think you know to be like, oh my gosh, I, all these things are connected. You know? Yeah, I think that if it were an event issue, mm-hmm. like like something that you went into knowing this was going to be like this one connecting thing it wouldn't be as bad right like, like if you're like okay if, if if i can let me compare this to the movies for example like in endgame or infinity war you understand that there's a bunch of stuff leading up to this point so when you if you go in blind not knowing anything you know that you're not going to get all of the pieces right sure but sure. if you go in and watch ant-man and they stop the movie to explain what's happened in all the other movies, you're kind of like, is this information needed? Like, Sure, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, like, it, it, might be, it might be fun for the people who have been watching all of the movies leading up to this point to, like, see it and, like, oh, I get that. Like, I understand that. Like, this is really cool. It's all connecting. But for the people who haven't, it's kind of just, like, something they have to push past to get to the rest of what's going on. Right. So I, I definitely see both sides. I, again, I enjoyed it because I have read a lot of these issues, but I don't think this is something I would want to see on a regular basis. Okay, good point, good point. Okay, right. so so basically, I definitely recommend this issue. It's another good chapter in the ongoing series by um, John Romita Jr., written by Roger Stern. Uh, Jolie, would you recommend this issue? Um. Yeah, I guess. If only <laughs> to unconfuse yourself about... <laughs> the last issue about issue 234 it's mm-hmm. uh, i guess it's necessary but like you know get right on 236 instead mm-hmm. okay good point josh what do you think yeah i feel like uh just this issue alone i would not recommend like by itself but mm-hmm. i i bet with 234 5 and 6 it will feel like more of the full story and i would re- recommend that as a whole if that makes sense. I, I haven't read 236 yet, so who knows? But yeah. I, I feel like that's where this is all going to end up leading up to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. We'll find out next week. So until then, let's move on to Marvel Team Up number 124. And Josh, do you want to take it away? Sure. Um, so again, we have another really kind of all over the place issue. Um, we yep. have uh, <laughs> Professor Power. He wants revenge on the X-Men and Xavier. So he starts... Uh, uh, picking on Beast, who is trying to uh, reconnect with his parents. His mom is kind of distant and uh, isn't accepting him being the Beast. Spider-Man ends up running into them after Power Man and Beast start fighting each other, and that's how he's part of the story. Really no other reason that I can remember. Uh, And (laughs) uh, by the end of the issue... uh, Professor Power stops destroying him because, or stops uh, uh, trying to kill Beast because <laughs> his mom steps in the way and he he remembers his relationship with his son and that's why he's doing this, right? So yeah, yeah, it sure was an issue. Yeah, I have very mixed feelings about this, but uh, yeah. first I want to know, Jolie, what did you think of it? 
<laughs> so I think I'm just like a huge supporter of like the more quote unquote human side of these people, like these superheroes stories. So mm-hmm. to me, um, I liked this one okay. <laughs> in a really weird way. Like I've never really been a big fan of the beast, but I also don't really know a lot about him. Um, I've never heard of Professor Power before, so kind of getting him, shoehorning him in there, I kind of wanted to know more about his medieval castle, more than anything. <laughs> so do the rest find, of us. Right? <laughs> and, and just shoehorning it in there as like a secret lair is like, okay, but like, can we hang out here for a second? Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to just wanna stay here in these woods. Like, but no, we have to move on. Um, I think... If they would have omitted the Aunt May story, um, which, I mean, they couldn't have done because mm-hmm. it's a Spider-Man. It's ultimately, mm-hmm. like, oh, it's ultimately, it, does it, does a team up always have to include Spider-Man? Yeah, well, yeah, there are well. some issues where it's, it's like Human Torch and somebody or Hulk and somebody, but 99% of the time it's Spider-Man. Okay, so yeah, so if it's if it's meant to be a team up between Spider Man and somebody else, um, then I guess you kind of have to put that in there because you have to somehow get Spider Man into a car and into the action outside of um, the Beast Mom's hotel room, and it's mm-hmm. it takes a really strange turn. But honestly, like, okay, and these are the things I liked this issue. I really did. They went to an Indian restaurant, which mm-hmm. I can relate to, like, mm-hmm. um, and his mother um, hates him for one being a beast, which I can relate to, mm-hmm. um, and then his father's like, you know, I'm not really into it either. You're not the CPA that she hoped you were gonna mm-hmm. be. Like, you were hoping he was gonna be an accountant. Like, he can technically still be an accountant. Like, mm-hmm. right. he's just blue and furry yeah true 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 yeah he's still a professor at this point right like at this point is he teaching at xavier academy no no because right now he's not actually in the x-men he's in the defenders i think oh right okay yeah okay so the last uh, i mean so many items the so much relatability in this character that i was like why haven't i read beast more like he swings out of every room like mm-hmm. he swings out of the restaurant on a chandelier which i can relate to like s- so much good good stuff you can relate to swinging out of a restaurant on the chandelier can't you oh <laughs> I, man i guess i just haven't been going to the right restaurants i mean you just gotta look up <laughs> well here's the thing is i do i actually the professor power stuff to me is completely forgettable it's the yeah. subplot that makes this issue good right like yes. all the stuff with beast and his family and aunt may and peter and like i do appreciate that part of it but the thing is is like this this particular way of having someone be prejudiced against the beast because of his appearance it's just the problem is, is i've seen it done better by uh louise simonson and grant morrison and so i thought it was really unsubtle the way it was done here how his mother's like don't touch me you disgusting freak (laughs) like that's a little bit unsubtle and then but but then to have the the, the father give the big speech and then instead of beast feeling like he should be crying at this point he's like well 
I'm gonna go talk to her. You know, he just leaps out of the room and I'm gonna go run down the street and convince her, you know, that I'm actually not a monster. I don't know. I just thought that was really forced and unrealistic. Yeah, his speech wasn't really like uplifting for him. He was pretty much just defending her and he's like, wow, you sure are right. I'm gonna go try and patch things up. It just like- Right, right. It didn't, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I like the idea that they're going for. Um, uh-huh. Like, the, okay, so Marvel Team Up did this really well with uh, the gargoyle when Spider-Man teams up with the gargoyle, yes. I, I, it was so right. good. Jolie, I if you kind of enjoyed this and you like this kind of like weird story where it's more of a character study, mm-hmm. uh, a few issues back, it, it's a Marvel team up with Spider-Man and Gargoyle, and it's so good. Gargoyle is a character I've only like seen in like the uh, in like books. I haven't actually read the any issues that he's been in, so I thought I was like, oh great, another Marvel team up with a random character. It was so great. It, it was like really like a deep character study with him, and like there wasn't really much like big bad guy coming in starting a fight. It was it was really good, and it really dealt with like a lot of uh, personal issues, which mm-hmm. I felt like this was going for, but it just didn't work. Um, mm-hmm, especially mm-hmm. the Professor Power stuff, like. Okay, so Professor Power again. He's another character that's a reoccurring Marvel team up villain, and he's been awful up to this point. Like all of his stories that he's <laughs> yeah. been in have like really been like crummy. He's yeah. teamed up. He's been in, he's been in issues with Wolverine and Xavier, and I th- possibly another one, uh, possibly another uh, character in Marvel team up. Mm-hmm. With the Wolverine one, he's he just shows up like the the castle just oh, shows yeah, up out terrible. of nowhere yeah. they don't explain who professor power is or what this facility is in the middle of nowhere like the amount of context they give the castle in this issue they've given it in all the other ones where they introduced him like it's right. it's just so random like all mm-hmm. of these guards are robots I yeah, know. I forgot about that. They, yeah. they even, they, I don't think they really talk about that in here. But like all of the, the like the Roman soldiers, they're robots. Like I, <laughs> I don't, it's just, I don't get it. Yeah, it's just so thrown together. Like just a bunch of random science fiction cliches thrown together. That's that's how I take it. You know. Yeah, it felt like they just needed to come up with a new idea for a villain. So they're like, all right, uh, Professor Power. Uh, he's there, he yeah. lives in a castle and he's got some robot boys i don't know right now what'd you guys think of the big climax where beast is getting his ass kicked and then the mother's like this isn't right this madman is going to kill my henry no matter what he's become what we've been through he's still my son still my son and then she runs out the door uh i mean and then of course at the end we get the uh you know the 80s sitcom happy ending where they're all a big loving happy family now Mm -hmm. um julie what'd you think of that um, I mean, it's not super unrealistic. I mean, again, in items that Jolie can relate to, like every time I see a fight that has nothing to do with me outside of the bar, I like, you know, <laughs> go running. <clears throat> okay. And somehow I can inject my personal like thoughts and feelings to stop the fight. Like this is exactly what she's doing, isn't it? Um, just, you know, interfering where she really shouldn't be interfering and who can't relate to that <laughs> on a daily Fair basis. Fair point, okay. Josh, what do you think of the ending? I, I think that it was a good ending for an, like, <laughs> I, I feel like we didn't get enough of a resolution before this for her to run right. in and protect him. 
he just called she just he she just called the beast like a disgusting ugly creature and then ran yes, off and then they didn't right, get it they didn't right. have any time like together to talk or for beast to say anything to her to like m- make her change her mind you know what i mean mm-hmm. like the, there was no like time for that to kind of sink in that it's still her son so the the change seems like abrupt and kind of not earned. forced yeah, yeah very yeah. i agree so yeah again kind of a typical like i think i was giving a lot of goodwill to marvel team up for a while but w- the last few issues have been sort of dipping down quality a little bit so i hesitantly recommend this i don't know if i'd rush to read it again but it was Mm -hmm. certainly an enjoyable enough issue uh julie what did you think um yeah i do i'm gonna agree with you there like it's mildly enjoyable if not for the strangeness the only thing to me that's going to be memorable about this is the strangeness that it is imparted mm-hmm. on the tiny black heart in my chest. Like, I'm going <laughs> to remember this forever. And just like, okay. but, but for no no reason, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's such a strange story. It's like yes. remembering the story about Superman doing taxes. Yes. Like, that's the main plot of his heroism is that he <laughs> did someone's taxes. Like this um the strange parental bond that the beast mother and professor power share like that's how i'm gonna use this to like talk about parenting to parents Mm. like Mm -hmm. you you too can stop such and such from happening if only you could see on the same level of love it's it's dumb and i'm here for it Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah, there's definitely something to this issue because I mean, I, I, as we said, J.M. Dematisse is clearly a good writer. It's just that he tends to kind of just throw things up the wall and see what sticks. I think. Yeah. So with that, let's move on to our final pick this week, which is oh. Peter Parker: The Spectacular Spider-Man, number seventy-three. Jolie, do you want to tell us what this issue is about? Um. I could do that, except for the only notes I have for uh, this one is what? Question mark, exclamation mark, question mark. All right. Um, So, I mean, I could try. Um, No, I can't. I'm looking at this now and I'm like, you know what? I can't. I can't do it. Okay, I'll I'll do my best. Okay. Uh, or, or Josh, did you want to? Uh, no, no, go ahead. Okay, I'll try. So I'll just say quickly that I love this splash page so much that I posted it on like a like a Facebook page and I tweeted it. It starts out with this really cool silent scene of a guy walking down the street. He walks up the entrance to an apartment. He rings a doorbell. He goes in, he goes in. He rings the doorbell. He bursts through the door and says, "Peter Parker, you are the spectacular Spider-Man." I freaking love this. Okay, mm-hmm. I laughed out loud when I read that incorporating the title of a comic into his speech is awesome but then you got to go wait a minute why is he saying that you know and then of course you find out this is deborah whitman's doctor or psychologist or whatever and basically he says that deborah whitman is going crazy she's schizophrenic 
She believes you're Spider-Man, so the only way to cure her is for you to pretend that you're Spider-Man, and then somehow we'll go from there. This is the stupidest thing. I <laughs> yeah, have. I know. I, I know. Hate I this know. So much. I hate these awful subplots with poor Deborah Whitman. I'm so done with them. <laughs> like, just write this character yeah. out. Why are you torturing her? This well, sucks. I think that might be that actually might be coming soon. I, I'm pretty sure next issue might be the resolution of the whole Deborah Whitman story. Oh my goodness! Well, I, I mean, if so. the last if the last page is any indication, it will be. Um, yeah. And I hope I hope she dies. Honestly, when I was reading this and I got to the last page and realized, ah, shoot, this is about mm-hmm. Deborah Whitman. All I could hear was like Josh's anguish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. It's terrible. It's yeah. pretty rough. But and the th- thing is, this doesn't come up again. The, this is not important to what's going on. Like, this has no. nothing to do with this issue. And then at the end, we get another little, like, uh, little, a couple of panels where he calls the psychiatrist at the end. Like, it just doesn't... Right. It, it, maybe it would make sense if, like, the villain that he was fighting or the conflict throughout made him realize that he has to help. But, like, there, nothing happens for that like switch in his brain to be like uh i'm i'm not gonna like mess with deb that that's not right and then realizing at the end like no this this might help her like i'm her friend why why wouldn't i do like everything in my power to like save her and right, help her right. there's nothing happens in this conflict with the owl and dr octopus that that like like yeah it that, changes his mind yeah. yeah it's just random it just happens just, well, I guess he feels guilty because he's been ignoring her, and he decides, well, if this can help her, then I'm going to do it. But you're right. It has nothing to do with really with what just happened. Right, and, and we don't see him realize that he just realizes it. You know what I mean? Like, the, yeah. there's no, like, reason for him to have that change yeah. after being right. a dick to him for the past few years, or a right, dick right, to, right. to Deborah. So, right, good point. I don't know. Well, besides... Okay, go ahead, Jolie. I just don't see how this is like a proper solution to her problem of schizophrenia. Like, so you're asking him to pretend to be Spider-Man, but he's really Spider-Man. So he's Mm -hmm. going to go out. Like, how is she going to even find that out? Like, are they going to film it for her to see? Like, I don't understand how that has anything. It just makes no sense. We'll have to see next issue, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Do you know what? Yeah. The thing is, too, like... It would make sense if, like, we were hinting at the fact that maybe there was something psychologically going on with Deborah the past few years. But right. It, but but I think what is happening is she is so inconsistently written that they're like, we need to figure out this character, like, what is going on? Like, she's so different from issue to issue. You know what? Let's just make the solution that she's schizophrenic, and like, yeah, they they almost like pushed, uh, 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 uh like mental issue on her because they didn't know how to write her or what to do with her and that's, that's why I agree. it sucks I agree. so much i agree well but for this actual issue though I, let's talk about the main plot which yes. is getting back to the you know the, the owl and the fact the owl's trying to like you know assert his place in the underworld uh, i thought that was pretty cool um and then we have what's his name boomerang is on trial and he's kind of like i kind of never thought of him this way but he's kind of like more of a bullseye character where anything in his hands becomes a deadly weapon i thought that was really cool um what'd you think of that yeah it, it gave it gave him a little bit more like power and weight because i think before mm-hmm. well he he wasn't a couple of good issues um 
he didn't feel threatening ever. Right. Like, he didn't really seem like much of a dangerous person. But taking that costume away from him and taking the boomerangs away, um, you, like, have to, like, force him into a corner and he's using whatever he can grab as a boomerang. So, like, the pen, and then he takes the judge's gavel and he flings that around. And, like, anything in this guy's hand can be a deadly weapon because of how he was trained and, like, the powers he has. So I actually Mm -hmm. thought that, like, taking him out of that and humanizing him in this, like, courtroom was actually really great for the character. And I kind of want to see more of him now. Right. Uh, Jolie, what did you think of that stuff? Um, I mean, if I was the defense attorney, I would have been, like, objection through half of the entire court proceedings (laughs) because he's leading the i'm sorry i watch a lot of like court procedurals and i'm like Mm -hmm. he's leading there's he's speculating in what at one point he's leading the witness and others and it only makes uh boomerang uh it only inflames him which Mm -hmm. is like not what you want for a witness on the stand right (laughs) so like it should have never gotten to that point. I who who is the defense attorney? I don't even know. But um, so it's unrealistic, is I guess what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and uh, but I do enjoy that um, they sort of like I don't know. I'm not also not familiar with the boomerang, but because he becomes so inflamed and just like grabs a pen really quick and does these things, like that's all I needed to know about him. Uh, was once he he grabbed things and it became this master marksman throwing objects like that's mm-hmm. all I needed to know they didn't have to cut away to a backstory they didn't mm-hmm. have to spend an issue telling me who he was they just needed to do this and it was so cool um, that that was to me that was like really cool but I didn't know what that had to do with the owl so it while it was cool it was confusing would it surprise you to find out that the writer Bill Mantlo went on to become a lawyer? Well. Yes. He actually was uh, in <laughs> law school around this time and went on to become a public defender by the late 80s. Wow. It's pretty interesting, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that funny? That's crazy. So may- maybe this was just when he was starting out and he was starting to really get into, like, you know, court cases and stuff. That's really right? interesting. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. No, but I also, I want to talk about the art this issue because I believe this is the first issue not drawn by Ed Hannigan and drawn by Al Milgram. Now, Al Milgram has a very poor reputation among Bronze Age readers. However, this issue is also inked by Jim Mooney, who's been inking various Spider-Man comics the whole time we've been doing Here Comes the Spider Cast. Mm-hmm. And I think it must be because of the inking, but I actually found the art in this issue pretty freaking good. Uh, Josh, what did you think? Yeah, I, I was just about to say the same thing. Uh, a lot of the stuff with the owl in the museum uh, really right. stood out to me. That w- it was really great. Like, the, he was, like, cast in shadows, and he's hanging yeah. on the wall with all these, like, taxidermy birds, hang like, f- you know, hung all around him and these people mm-hmm. gathered it's really great yeah there's some there's some really good stuff in here i agree jolie what do you think of the art um if we i mean if we want to go right from digital page one just the level of imagination like i wouldn't know um i wouldn't know al milgram from what you're telling me about him mm-hmm. other than the fact that to me he seems like more um of an artist who's willing to take chances. I guess it's a good thing that Jamuni is a good inker. Um, I've never mm-hmm. seen just his plain pencils before, Al Milgram, but 
like just going from the beginning how he uses the, how he does the title spider-man it's the mm-hmm. tops it's the tops the of the buildings it's great that yeah. is amazing i love yeah. it and then to me honestly storytelling is really good too mm-hmm. and there's a lot of like um there's a lot of he uses a lot of long panels which uh, as an artist are really hard to render in because you have to you know they usually reserve those for kind of like um wide shots really like super wide shots and he does a couple close-ups which are really impressive in them um to sort of get the story going and he uses the size uh of panels to pace the story really well Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. his sort of i would say i really i also really like the expressive nature of um I mean, we're going to keep going back to this court scene, but like there's so many people in the court scene, but every face is interesting. Even the guards who surround Boomerang in the background on like digital Mm -hmm. uh, page seven. Yeah. Like, and and it's all just rendered. If there were no colors, it's all just rendered in blacks um, or like strokes or impressions of blacks. So maybe we can thank the anchor for that one. But, um, like expressions are all different. There's no, mm-hmm. uh, there's no double uses. There's no laziness in the art for this issue. There's a lot, and there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of like motion. Yeah. From panel mm-hmm. to panel. Especially, especially the scene where Boomerang throws his what is the gavel? It? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great scene that's broken up into four panels, right? Josh, you were gonna say something? Uh, I, I was gonna say even the buildup of the pa- like. I know, I know, we're really focusing on this court scene, but I really loved it. Um, even the mm-hmm. storytelling through the fact that the boomerang has the pen in his hand the entire time, and as yes. as Sorry, he's yeah, being questioned, he's clicking the pen. Right, so we're seeing him click this right. pen the entire like in every single panel, he's clicking it, and like the more he's being questioned, the anger angrier he's getting, and the closer and closer this pen is like getting to his face, until finally he like explodes and throws this pen like he's he's like setting it up through the panels and what's happening in like you you're not you don't see peter parker watching this going what's he doing with that pen it's getting closer and closer to his face it's like he's you know gonna explode it's they they you know they they tell it through the panels which is great i love you right 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 yeah, sorry, I was mixing up. So first he throws the pen, then he throws the then gavel. The gavel so, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, they're both really well done and mm-hmm. yeah, like the like even like Spider-Man uh grabbing Boomerang and and swinging away with him is really well done. Again, mm-hmm. it's like Jim Mooney clearly um is like uh making Al Milgram's inks a lot slicker or pencils a lot slicker than they probably originally were. Right. But then later on, I also love all the stuff with the owl in the um, whatever it is, the museum or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just, there's a lot of nice use of shadow. Like when Spider-Man is crawling around and he's on top of that, um, what is that? It's like the big, uh, the giant stellar projector. And then like, mm-hmm. it starts to get all wonky where the blacks of his costume are mixed in with like this, like this, the space, you know, like uh, oh, the stars yeah, that's and everything. Great. Really cool stuff there, yeah. It just yeah. oh, it just makes for some some nice looking pages. I'm just really surprised. There's another great uh, shot where he crawls inside the the ribs of the the Brontosaurus, and again Al Milgram splits up the the the, the image into three panels. Right? Mm-hmm. It's again probably a tricky. 
I'm assuming he learned from Jim Starlin. Uh, but it's a really cool technique and it really makes the art in this stick out. And so, yeah, like, I don't think Al Milgram's a great artist, but I think at this point he was maybe, again, being influenced by the right people, like by Frank Miller and Jim Starlin. So he's really turning out some good stuff. So overall, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, e- even when, like, the, the, uh, the figures aren't as strong. I think the storytelling has really improved through the th- through the art. Like, even if the, yeah. the anatomy isn't always right, like you still understand everything that's going on. So I, yeah, I absolutely definitely enjoy the art this issue. Yep. So I'm gonna say once again, I recommend this issue of Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man. What about you, Jolie? Um, if you give a good goddamn about Deborah <laughs> Whitmer. Whitmer? Whitman. 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 Um, Maybe don't read this one. (laughs) Or, I mean, read the first two pages and the last page. But that's it. Um, I guess I can recommend it. uh, If it's part of an ongoing saga. Mm -hmm. A saga I don't know what of. But um, I will recommend it for the art alone. as Just as a good study of uh, what action looks like. Um, on the body and throughout uh, visual, like uh, the visual storytelling medium. It's just a really good example, I think, of all of that. Right. Like the compositions are wild and and fancy and mm-hmm. I can recommend it for the art alone. Excellent. All right. Well, I, and Josh, what do you think? Would you recommend this? Yeah, I, I definitely would. Uh, with the caveat of, of like having the Deborah Whitman stuff at the beginning and end, like I... I I really don't like that side story and everything that's going on with her, but the, the right. like actual meat of this story is, is pretty fun. Uh, I really like how uh, Doc Ock at first comes in to kind of like put the owl on blast and be like, you know what, this isn't working. Uh, you know, I've, mm-hmm. I've pretty much tricked you into doing this and now that I don't need you anymore, we're done. Spider-Man, mm-hmm. you know, swoops in and he's like, you know what? Let's put our differences aside for a second. He throws in a couple punches. He realizes that Owl and Spider-Man are going one-on-one. He's like, you know what? I'm washing my hands of this and let let my two enemies take care of each other. And he like splits. It's great. So there's, yep. there's some, yeah, there's some really fun stuff in here. Again, with uh, Spider-Man going into the Hayden Planetarium is really cool. I always love when they, they're in real places. Yes, me too. So I love it. Uh, seeing that little note, I don't even think any of the characters say it, but just in the background, you see the 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 uh, sign on the door saying Hayden Planetarium. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's pretty cool. Me, yeah, I agree. I agree. So overall, uh, a pretty strong week for Spidey, right, guys? I think. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe more so for us than for Jolie, but. Yeah. <laughs> Considering next week is the resolution of the Deborah Whitman saga, I think you're going to have to come back again, Julie. What do you think? Um, I, I'm going to because, um, <laughs> sorry, low key. I already started reading the next issue because I give a crap about Deborah. Really? <laughs> of course, right? Good. I want to know honestly. Yeah. I, I want to know more about her because I just I feel like I care about her in a way that Peter Parker clearly doesn't. So. Well, there sometimes he does. <laughs> well, yeah, depending who's so, writing him. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. there you go, folks. You're going to have to tune in next week to find out what happens to Deborah Whitman and what our review is of that issue. Yeah, so, uh, it, Josh, do you want to take it from here? Yeah. Uh, if you guys want to check us out over at uh, Spotify, 
Apple Podcast, uh, or you can find us on Facebook at the Comic Book Syndicate. If you want to tweet at us, uh, you can tweet us at at Comic Syndicate. Uh, we want to keep that conversation going. We want to know what you guys think about the uh, podcast and the issues that we're talking about. So uh, please uh, contact us there. There you go. And we'd like to thank G.I. Jolie once again for joining us. Yeah, and she will you. be back next week. So there you go. Until next Monday, this has been Here Comes the Spider Cast. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.